T to G to I to F to F. T to G to I to F to F. Thank God is first. Thank God is first. Thank God is first. First Friday. All right, that's all right. Jingle sounds great. <laughs> so that's right. Today's episode. No Zoom jingle. Blogs, vlogs, and dialogue. Brother Andrew, what's been your latest blog? Blog. A lot of og sounds, Brother Luke. Um, but yeah, so my latest blog, I guess. Um, well, I just gave my God to life. Gave the, my whole life to God, like. 10 days ago my final vows just like just like you did a couple months ago but yeah that was my that was my big event on so august why, 20th what what do you try to do when you put out that info on your i guess i'm considering your facebook post like a blog it's not really a blog but close enough yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um so i just i just try i'm trying to share like what what my life is like because i've re i've received so much and i just want to i want to share with other people um, and so that's the whole point of everything I do, like in the blog, blogosphere. It's like, I'm just, um, it's not like I'm trying to like market my name. Um, it's, it's more like I'm trying to like, like I've, I've, I've received so much. So I want to, I want to share it. And, and I also think I have a, I have a talent to communicate. And so I'm trying to use that talent that I've received and that I've tried to form over the years to yeah to communicate to other people because a priest um, and a religious needs to be a communicator um, and so that's also so one reason why I try to do all this blogging stuff and like sharing sharing life experiences and I think and you too like the, the point of it is to as to to share the the, the joy of, of our vocation uh, which belongs to the whole church um, and so yeah we try to do everything like you like you can do that with your music. I, I try to do that with a little bit of writing and some video. Both of us, we're doing it together with our podcast. So that's the whole point of blog is like to, to filter my vocation to the world. Awesome. And then the second og, as you put it, is vlogs. This is going to be the title of our episode, vlogs. And my sister, so I'm actually broadcasting right now from Dallas, Texas. And my, my sister, my older sister, Molly, who happens to be the, also the marketing director for TGIFF podcast. And she came up with our right. awesome. Uh, she, the MD. Yes. And she put out a vlog for, um, on this Catholic mom's Instagram page. I can't remember the exact title. I should have checked that out everyday moms. Um, but she gave a tour of her home and showed how like as a mom, you're, you have a family, you're balancing your work, your family. So she has like her kids playing in the background. She's showing some of the very creative, designs that she has in her dining room, her living room, and how you make it all work. Uh, that's another, that's another aug that many people are also getting into these days. Another one is brother John Kenny, who from Rome puts out these very short uh, videos, but always packed with a punch. He always has a really good, very clear. Yeah, it's really creative. The yeah. last actually ended up with he and another brother doing backflips into our pool, but fully clothed. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. It was awesome. If you haven't seen that one. Check it out. Brother John Kenny. Yeah. They're like, they're like flipping these milk, these, these milk jugs, and there are three of them all together. The middle one says loves, and the one on the right um, says God, and the one on the left says you, or, or vice versa. And so they're trying to flip them over, you know, like the, the, the water water bottle challenge that's, that comes, that has its, you know, ebbs and flows uh, in society, you know, here and there. And so they're trying to get them to land both in, in, in the right order, so it says God loves you. And I'm sure they did it. And, it's, and they must have... 
Yeah, well, I mean, they must have filmed it, you know, who knows how many times. And once they finally got it, you know, they were filled with joy. And so they just did a backflip into the, into the pool, conveniently, conveniently located behind them. <laughs> and the third AUG, after blogs and blogs, is dialogue. And yes. dialogue is a little different because a blog and a blog can be very one-sided. I can write whatever I want and, and uh, put it out there. I can vlog about whatever I want and the same thing I can publish it and it goes out to the internet. But there, this, this AUG takes two, it takes two to tango dialogue. And yeah. that um, leads me to introducing our special guest today and also the third voice in our beautifully harmonized jingle to begin to episode one of TGIFF. And that is my dear old dad, Andrew Nowicki. So do you want to introduce yourself, Dan? Absolutely. It is, it is my pleasure to be, I mean, I, I'm thinking back, I've listened to every one of the 12 episodes from season Number one. Number one fan right here, folks. Absolutely have loved them. And I'm thinking back to past guests, uh, Father Hugh, now Deacon Vin, Brother Eric, and I am, um, I'm just hoping to be able to carry the water and, uh, and keep bringing it. <laughs> so I am, um, I am here with, uh, in Irving, Texas, actually, a suburb of Dallas. Uh, my wife and I retired here a little over a year ago. And um, we're living close to family, which has made this uh, incredible home visit just uh, beautiful because Brother Luke's been able to uh, touch base with a with a whole lot of uh, siblings and uh, nieces and nephews. So, and uh, and now we're gonna basically broadcast to the world, I guess. Oh yeah. And so this this awesome. podcast is gonna focus on the third AUG dialogues because I think well we think that in today's world something that is lacking is the ability to have a a, a conversation where both sides are respecting the other one. And so we're gonna talk about our experiences of of those kind of dialogues hoping that this can help um, yeah, start inspiring other people to get past me barriers that we put up or that society has kind of started constructing. Uh, so political ones, there's barriers um, between like racism is another big one today. In the business world, uh, my dad is gonna talk about um, some of his experiences there. Uh, I was thinking generation gaps, uh, speaking of Father Hugh, uh, maybe like something that just I've learned from him. Um, religion, sometimes those can be barriers, you know, Catholics and Protestants and, and Eastern and Western religions and maybe those kind of things sometimes, or atheists versus any God-fearing person. Uh, so we're going to get into that. Um, maybe we can start off with the political ones just because the Republican and Democratic conventions have been going on, at least here in the, in the States. And it's nice to be able to say here in the States now, because it's been a while, it's been two years since visiting my family here in the States. Um, but one thing I was thinking is when you see the animosity between the two sides, it's already kind of a bad start to dialogue because you're, you're attacking the other person rather than, than seeking the truth. And I don't know, Brother Angie, if you had anything you wanted to say about that, but I know one of the things that you learn, um, they, I'm seeing like St. Thomas Aquinas or some of the saints where a true dialogue, I think it requires that both sides are looking for the truth instead of both sides or either side looking to convince the other side of what they think. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, the word dialogue itself means, well, dia in Greek, it means um, through, through something. Um, it's kind of also related to the word for two, like the, the number two, well, um, 
but it, it means dia through, and then logos means like truth or reason or or a thought process. So it's like you're going through this effort with other people to get through the truth. That is to to go through all the opinions, the ideas, the difficulties, so that we can arrive at the truth together. Um, that's that's the whole point of of dialogue. Yeah, you you hit it on the nail, Brother Luke. I think. That fantastic little etymology lesson there, Brother Andrew. I, I was thinking, I'm, I don't have any of the linguistic skills that, uh, that I've just heard on display here. I was thinking that dialogue had something to do with like two and then words, logos, word, two people speaking. And what I was really reflecting on um, was two people speaking is really important, but what's even maybe more important is the listening part. And you're not going to get to the truth unless you're listening. And the political sphere is a really interesting one. I mean, you you can you take a look at a convention or a, a debate. We're gonna have we're gonna start having debates here after uh, a couple of weeks. And you take a look at any political debate, and hardly anybody is ever listening to what the, the other person's saying. They're always thinking about the next thing that they're going to say, and you know, I think we need to reflect a little bit on ourselves too. When we're in, engaged in dialogue, how much are we truly generously listening instead of just what am I going to say next to make my point? Yeah, it takes humility um, to still be open to learning. I think as time goes on, you gain experiences and you've read a lot of books and studied, you start to think, oh, well, I've pretty much decided what I'm going to believe and the philosophy I'm, that I'm going to follow in my life. And so if the person is saying anything contrary to that, I just sort of just give them the cold shoulder. They kind of get snubbed or pushed aside as ignorant or it's just irrelevant for me. But like true humility allows me to be open from the day I'm born to the day I die because we'll never know everything. And I think it was even Socrates or one of those old Greek guys that said like true wisdom is knowing like, Realizing that I know nothing because in that way, you're always open to learning more. And I think that'd be one way to cross any political boundaries that we find within our families, between friends at work, whatever it might be, that sometimes, especially this time of year, can really cause some conflicts in our, in our like, conversation over the dinner table and things like that, to be humble enough to at least listen and and believe the other person is also searching for the good and what they, they, they have good reason to believe what they're saying, good reason to, um, to stand on the side that they're standing on. And that's enough for me to want to want to be open, at least to listening to them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, totally. Um, I, actually, Mr. Rubicki, I, I forgot about actually logos can also be uh, a trend. You can also translate it by using the word word right in the beginning that was the word right um but yeah so your your explanation would, would be we have two etymologists here right but Luke, maybe maybe we'll shine later on in the episode right yeah um, <laughs> yeah but i agree i agree we're all we're all um well, we're all human beings so before we're anything else before we're an expert in something before we're a teacher before we're a politician a priest um you know uh, whatever we are we're all human beings and part of being a human being is, is communication and talking and listening to each other. Um, 
And so, yeah, I think we all need to remember that we're all sort of in the same boat. And, and part, of, part of living human life is being able to, uh, is effective communication. And once we, like what you were saying, Brother Luke, just now, like um, there are certain um, preconditions, perhaps you could say, to having a good communication. Like maybe, maybe we'll, we'll get on into like in the communication, like how to do that. But before we get into like what you say and, and how to say it, like we need to have certain attitudes, like what you were saying, like you know, presupposing that hey, maybe, and this is kind of what um, you know the, I guess the, the the popular psychologist today, Jordan Peterson says. He says, um, you know, maybe presuppose that the other person knows something that I don't, like what you were just saying with like humility. Um, you know, you don't find that attitude at all in our political discourse, and it's re- and it's really frustrating. Um, it's really frustrating. It's a, it's a circus, right? Um, and so, yeah, I think, I don't know, what do you think are other preconditions besides humility, like what you were saying, Brother Luke, and like being open, I don't know, what, what would some other ones, what the other ones do you guys see? You know, um, since you were dropping names, I'll, I'll throw out that St. John Paul II. Um, <laughs> he, you know, I, I might be paraphrasing a little bit, but you don't, man doesn't know himself fully until he makes himself a gift to another. So you think, okay, dialogue, two people coming together. You're, you're going to be generous. You're going to make yourself vulnerable. You're going to uh, lay it out there for somebody. So yes, they're going to get the benefit of whatever you have to say, but you're acknowledging a basic respect that you're, you're, you're going to bring something to this dialogue because there's, there's going to be some value there in, in speaking to you who I have utmost respect for. And it was also Pope Francis um, gave an incredible homily. I'm mostly based on this theme. It was unity within diversity. I think at least I put that on the YouTube um, video that I saw later on. But he talked about the Holy Spirit is what brings us together and how, or how does he do that? And he said in one word, it's gift. Because the Holy Spirit is the gift. That's who he is. He comes from the Father and the Son. He's like, he's pure gift. He's a product eternal product you can't maybe that's a heresy to say product but of the love of the father and son who so he is love he is gift and um pope francis even talked about obstacles and so you were saying like what are some preconditions to dialogue uh i guess the opposite of uh, narcissism which is thinking of myself and always looking for my benefit uh another one would be uh he mentioned pessimism so always having this idea that nothing will ever change and it's always gonna be like this and then victimism. Those are the three that Pope Francis says are obstacles to unity. And victimism would be just always um, seeing yourself as the um, as on the losing end of everything. So on, on relationships and things like people are always out to, out to get me. And if you if any of us fall into these one of these three obstacles, dialogue can be very tough. You have to yeah. hope maybe be another precondition, like as opposed to pessimism. Always having hope. So when I go in a conversation with in the last time that I've talked to this person, I didn't find them very open. I, I found them extremely challenging to just talk to. Um, always having hope, always giving that person another chance. Um, because, yeah, sometimes our first impressions of a person can last for a long time. You can always, I was actually thinking a little bit, when you label someone, you always, you're already closing yourself off to a dialogue with that person. And so if I, if I say, oh, that person, I'm conservative and that person's liberal or vice versa. Or um, I'm, yeah, I'm open to ideas, but that person's very closed. Or when you start to la- put a label on a person, 
you're already cut off the conversation because you're already saying, well, that person lives on a whole nother planet than I do. And so good luck having anything that crossing that boundary, that abyss between us. Um, so yeah, avoiding that, I would say. I mean, a, a label basically does not acknowledge a person's individuality. I mean, they're a special, you know, just absolutely your unrepeatable being. And if you label them, well, you're just lumping them in with others. I love that point about labeling people because I think it, it sort of, um, it sort of points out something, um, a characteristic of our contemporary society. And that is, um, sort of group, um, ideology or group politics, or I don't know how to, how to phrase it. Um, like the fact that our society is divided into many different sectors of groups of people. And so, um, and, and, and that, can be ex that can be a false narrative that is then exploited by people in power, by institutions, et cetera. So like, for instance, um, so without denying the obvious, um, you know, racism that certainly exists in, in several, you know, bad apples, you know, um, that can be blown out of proportion, right? And so, so somebody who is black, for instance, and because of all the all the media that's being read and all the videos being produced because of, you know, murders that have happened, terrible things that nobody's denying, but can be blown out of proportion, right? And people can have the idea everybody who is white or everybody who is in these institutions are out to get me. Or or, or vice versa for or if you take it to another political discourse like um the pro the pro life pro choice debate. Um everybody who's who labels people as pro-choice close the door and say this person is pro-choice and they, they don't or, or even use the word pro-abortion like this person wants abortion and likes abortion um and so you're labeling these people um without maybe considering the fact well hey maybe this person was brought up and just really values um you know women's freedom and that's what this person really loves it's not that this person is is uh, joyfully advocating for, you know, this, this you know, ter terrible procedure is that this person is, is really sees an affront to, to women's freedom, which is important. Right. Um, so I think, I think separating people into groups and labeling is a real big danger to, to dialogue. Um, I think we have to see people as human beings, first of all, and, and like what you were saying, you know, Mr. Wiki, you're respecting them. This person is, is special as an individual human being in front of me um, whom I'm called who has the same dignity as I do yeah. your your reference to that the woman that you said would uh, has particular attitudes I mean that's you know empathy putting yourself in, in their shoes trying to understand what motivates them also super important uh, you know I think in, in the business world we we talk a little bit of um, uh, towards the end of my career in the oil and gas industry operating um, uh, production operations was was what I was managing, and um, we were really focused on uh, emotional intelligence and kind of uh, defining it in a simple way as uh, you know building humility and empathy. I mean, self awareness and social awareness, and uh, it was really interesting. I got to uh, in a group of maybe 130 uh, leaders in our production operations realm. I got to use some of the tools that uh, I've been exposed to within Regan Christie for the last 20 years, a program of life you might be familiar with where you 
You're, you're trying to cultivate a particular virtue, say humility or empathy. And, um, and what you think, what you build the program of life on is, okay, I want to start with what vice might I have that's okay, pride, and then start thinking about ways that you can counteract that vice to build that virtue and concrete means. And I was uh, given the opportunity to actually put on with 130 people, wander around the room and, and coach them <laughs> into, into doing a, a program of life on building humility or empathy. Oh, and, um, you know, one of the crossovers between, uh, you know, being a, a Regnum Christi uh, lay person and, uh, and being out in the business world. Um, you mentioned, Brother Andrew, the importance of uh, priests and religious being able to communicate. Um, I can't think of anything, um, any part of the business world where it's not essential to be able to communicate if you want to try to build, build a productive uh, organization. So I know I've told maybe even this son of mine that's sitting right next to me. I, I know I told my uh, children growing up, um, you know, regardless of the fact that I was an engineering major, there was nothing more important than honing communication skills. And uh, you can't go wrong if you do that. Dialogue is a huge part of that. So moving on. To, so another is we've, We've mentioned a little bit of like the policy, maybe arguments like pro-life, pro-choice. We mentioned a little bit of business world. I want to go into that one a little bit now, um, especially with my dad sitting here next to me, um, who has worked, was 35 years at Chevron? Mm -hmm. 35 years at Chevron. And we moved a lot as kids because he was always being offered uh, new challenges. And sometimes is like a managing um, different teams. He can talk more about that. But I think that's another area where a lot of us or all of us um, can benefit from just reflecting on, okay, how can I better my dialogue or what tools might help in creating a good relationship with my colleagues, with uh, my bosses, with maybe those that I'm managing on different projects. Um, and also, if you want to tie in as well, we can get to that later. But what is Regan Christie and how does communication um, – what's the, the role of communication or dialogue in that sure. but first? business world from your experience and i guess especially maybe of managing teams sure. what role did dialogue play there yeah i think um I, I can think of two kind of uh aspects one and, and they both they really both depend on a basic respect which i brought up you know a little bit earlier um basic respect for the individual but i think about okay so i'm a manager of a group an employee comes into my office um you know a lot of management books talk about, um, you know, accessibility, availability, uh, you know, approachability to, um, to your employees, um, you know, little tricks where you can make sure that your computer back in the day where people weren't using mobile devices or anything, but your computer's facing the door. So, you know, it's, it's not like your backs to the people that are walking by. So yeah, that makes you approachable, but available, I think is the real key, you know, so many times, and I was, I, I've been I've called out. I was called out by people on this, you know, asking for feedback. So many times somebody would walk into my office earlier in my career and I would, you know, try to multitask, try to continue to crank out that email or work on that spreadsheet and have one ear on, on the person. Oh, because I'm really busy. I'm really important. ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Get up, get up from the computer give the individual your undivided attention. Oh my goodness. What, what a difference it makes to, you know, let the other person understand that you respect the fact that they are there, whether they have something to complain about, whether they have a question to ask, whether they, you know, 
they, they just want to chat about something. So avail availability, undivided attention, huge. I think the other one, um, and I could have gone there with respect to the pro-life, pro-choice uh, argument, but it's common ground. And, you know, I quite often in the production operations, you know, world, I and other managers might go out and, um, and, and visit a site um, where hourly workers um, were out there, you know, not, not a huge amount in common necessarily with, um, you know, their upbringing, my upbringing, their, you know, their socioeconomic status and, and my own at the time. But you go out there and you find common ground. You know, um, there's, there's so much. You talk about family. You ask them about their family. You know, you ask them about, you know, quite often on these crews, you know, they'd, there'd be brothers and cousins, you know, amongst them. And, and you get them talking about each other and they're having fun. <laughs> you, you, you bring up something that's, um, you know, something like sports, um, a little self-deprecating humor. And, you know, being a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, long-suffering Pittsburgh Pirates fan, there's always self-deprecating humor that you can bring in when you're <laughs> about being a fan there. So it, it really boils down to a basic respect that you have and wanting to engage. So, Okay. Yeah, that's, that's really good. I was actually, one of the things that, speaking of being open to learning, I've, I got to drop in twice to my sister and brother-in-law's brewery they started two years ago in dallas it's the name is celestial beer works and they have an instagram account they have a website if you have, would want to check it out but they've had great success over the last two years um and uh, last week i helped my brother-in-law matt reynolds brew um an upcoming beer that'll be available in about a week uh electromagnetism i believe it's called a double ipa or between a single and a double ipa but that whole process to me is completely new. And I, I loved learning about the process, but even more than pouring the oats into the mill and, and the, the grain, all these things, and seeing how the process goes from like the fermentation to the canning, to the labeling and everything, was seeing the relationship that Matt has formed with the rest of the team there at Celestial Purex. Because I think you have to find a balance between being, as, as a boss or manager, as the founder of this brewery, to find a balance between being demanding, but at the same time forming a relationship where the other person feels like, like it's also theirs, like they have ownership as well. And so when you find, when you strike that balance, I think the whole thing works like a well-oiled machine. It becomes almost like a family. That's why I sort of felt walking in there. Not only is it because my sister's there, my younger sister's also working there, my brother-in-law, but also just the, the great conversations I'll have, the humor, um, it's not, it's not a tense environment. You walk in, you enjoy it, but at the same time, everyone goes right to their places after they've, you know, said hello and how are you doing? And they get working and they, they get things done and they get back home to their families. And so it's, it's a beautiful thing, but also challenging. And I was just noticing like his, uh, his charisma in approaching the other workers. He'll ask them how they're doing um, and how's your weekend? How's your wife? How are your kids? And similar, just finding common ground because they'll probably go into some of the same challenges with young families. But um, at the same time, they know that, hey, I have a job and I'm going to complete my duties. And they're also sometimes bringing in tacos for the rest of the group. Or um, Today, this morning, they brought in some donuts um, and they were sharing them. And everyone's just like, you know, enjoying life, but actually at the same time getting work done. So uh, I think, I don't know, Andrew, you see that a little bit in our community there in Rome too, but I know I've experienced that a lot in the Legion, just that family atmosphere. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's when you have, when you have a good attitude about things 
And when, you, when you're able to look beyond the, the things that can be a little uncomfortable about somebody's personality or whatever in you, and you, and you, and you really see what that, way that, what that person is worth, then you can excuse a lot of, a lot of foibles that we all have, right? And you, can, and you go to the essential, hey, this is, this is, a, this is a fellow human being. This is, and if you're, if you're religious, you know, this, is, this is a child of God. Um, and so, so yeah, I, I've, once you get past all the, all the, the rough and tumble, then it's, it's, it's beautiful. But sometimes, um, for instance, sometimes, you know, we have in every organization, every, in the church, in a business, wherever you go, you're always going to have moments of tension, right? And so dialogue is not all, we don't always have those preconditions to adopt. We don't always value, you know, the other person, or we don't always um, see the other person as a gift, or sometimes something negative happens and somebody sort of rubs us the wrong way and we don't know how to respond. Um, we actually just had uh, a really cool uh, mini course here in our seminary in Rome about feedback. And it was, it was, I, I was really, I was actually skeptical about it. it um, our superiors say, hey, we're going to have this course. It's going to be about feedback. And this is, you know, a man from Spain is going to come and give us an explanation. And I thought, you know, hey, you know, I'm almost, you know, I'm pretty, I'm 30 years old. Like, I, I know what feedback is about. You know, I've, I've been, you know, like, why, why are we doing this? Um, and so, but he really changed my um, perspective about it because he, he, he outlined this little process, which I won't, I'll, I'll make a long story, story short. He said that whenever you have a difficult situation and you need to tell somebody something that's that's hard to say this is what you do he says you go up to that person and you say you know when I see you do this or when I um, hear you say this thing it makes me think you know this thing when I when I see you um, um, speak to me um, like really quickly and without paying attention, it makes me feel, for instance, um, not valued. And, and and I'm telling you this because I want to have a good working relationship and I want our work to be successful. What do you think about that? And so in that process, what you're doing is you're going to something that's happened, that's concrete, a difficult situation, you're, you're giving your feedback about it, what you think about it, your interpretation of it, allowing um, for mistakes on your part. You don't always perceive things correctly, right? You say, you know, I perceive this or it makes me feel this way. Um, and, and, and then you tell them why you're telling them that. You know, I'm telling you this because, you know, I value whatever, because I want good communication, because I want our marriage to work because I want, uh, I want our working relationship to be successful. Right. And then at the end you ask him, you know, for their, their feedback about what you just told him, what do you think about that? Or maybe if it's a hard moment, like do you think we could talk about this later? Um, and so you're sort of involving them at, at the end. And so he outlined this little process for, for a dialogue for feedback when it's a, a difficult situation. Um, and it, it really gave me new light on, on how to handle this. And, and I'm excited because I know that as a, uh, a future priest, you know, I'm, I'm going to be called to be a bridge builder. I'm going to be called to, you know, try to reconcile um, people together and above all with God. Uh, so I think it's going to be, I think carrying out a good dialogue is, is not only going to be helpful, you know, in the business world and politics, but also for, for us.
men in black. Amen. Yeah. So we're getting close to the end of our, our episode, maybe somehow just wrapping up or summarizing dad, what would you say are some of the keys, the key things to pull away from this brief reflection that we've had today on season two, episode one, TJFF blogs, blog. Season two. Let's get our faces out of our devices and start relating to other people. And that's actually, that's a perfect time to do this. Uh, Holy Spirit always, always, uh, just like always has the right word in the right moment for each of us. At least for me, quarantine, well, it's continued, but it's sort of winding down. Like schools are back open, but we've just spent months of time having virtual relationships, maybe at best. Like we've spent a lot of time at home in our apartments or at homes in comfortable positions behind a screen. But now we're going back out into the world and, um, you know, going back to the gym, going back to work, going back to school. And it is a, a beautiful moment. And maybe we're going to find it challenging again because it's been sort of, it might be awkward after two, three months of quarantining to go back and to talk to people face to face. For me, I think it's humility. And then what you said with uh, Jordan Peterson, with Andrew, of just presupposing or at least allowing that this other person has something that I can learn from. You go into to a, any conversation like that, uh, you're, it's going to be a fruitful conversation. You know, it's going to be at least an open dialogue. We're going to, you know, see into the other person's um, individuality and hopefully take something back. Brother Andrew, any closing words before we give our, our final uh, punchline? We always get wrong, but we're today we're, we're going to do it, right? Wait, wait, uh, wait. I need to remember first what our punchline is at the end so I just say it right. Can, oh you mouth it to me? can you mouth it to me through Zoom so that I can? Oh, okay, good. Okay, good. All right. Closing all right. Words. So before our punchline, so yeah, what do we all what do we all want? And when we're talking to other people, we we want communion. We want to be with other people. We want we all want the truth. And so an obstacle to that is when we don't speak to each other well. And so if we try to improve the way we speak about with other people, if we try to improve and, and sort of purify our prejudice against other people who we think are labeled, you know, in certain ways, if we try to do all that work, then our dialogue is going to improve and then we're going to be happier. It's in our best interest to work on dialogue. Amen to that. So hopefully these reflections can help as we kick off this new season. And remember, we do not just do, we doom quay. God bless you, everybody.